The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God, amen. amen. Please be seated. Just a moment ago, we read together all the paths of the Lord, our love and faithfulness, all of them. Even those paths that take us to the trying and treacherous places where there are threats and challenging encounters in which dangers lurk, what we sometimes call in the spiritual life the wilderness. But even in the wilderness, we, like Jesus, are never alone. A reminder that even in this solitary, introspective season of Lent, in which we turn into ourselves to take a long, honest look inside, the spiritual journey is never undertaken all by ourselves. There's always a supporting cast of compassionate characters along the way. Even Jesus, during that first Lent, those initial 40 days in the wilderness, got by with a little help from his friends, not to mention his loving, affirming Father, as well as that hard-working and ever-present Holy Spirit. Mark is the most succinct of all of the gospel writers. He always gets straight to the point and leaves out any unnecessary embellishment so that in today's gospel, we're able to trace the entire spiritual journey in one paragraph. Jesus left home and was baptized by John. Notice that you cannot baptize yourself. It requires another person. There is no do-it-yourself baptism, and there is no Lone Ranger spirituality. In baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon, and within Jesus, a great power is given, awakened, and enlivened. And in that moment, God speaks to him, just as God speaks to you, to each of us, in our sacrament of initiation and inclusion in the family of faith. And God says, you are mine. You are my son, my daughter. I claim you as my own beloved child. I am proud to know you, and I know you better than anyone. And then that same spirit that we call the comforter, the advocate, the holy helper, the compassionate companion drives Jesus 
into a place where he would truly learn to depend on God. The wilderness. Where he confronts a different, powerful presence, that force that is opposed to God's loving purposes for our world. The evil one. The one who is not only against God, but against us and against everybody. And Satan tries to exploit Jesus' weaknesses and vulnerabilities and knock him off course, get him off of his game, hoping that when the going gets tough for him out there in the wilderness, Jesus will begin to doubt and question his loyalty, switch his allegiance, wonder about his purpose. But that Holy Spirit did not forsake Jesus even in the dark and desolate and dangerous valley and kept him on course. And I love the way Mark describes this. There were also some animals, some wild beasts. And you get the sense that maybe we're supposed to be afraid. Maybe this is supposed to be a scary detail. But I believe that these animals actually reminded Jesus out there that he was not alone. Reminded him of God's goodness in the midst of danger. Just as the psalmist tells us, God cares for the animals and God will care for you. And there were also, as there always are, some angels lurking nearby, seen and unseen angels who came to his rescue, who supported and provided for him so that he could emerge from such a challenge with a deeper faith and a greater independence on God and upon God's helpers. And because he had been tested, tempted, tried and he had emerged more fully alive to God's loving presence in his life than ever before he was prepared prepared in a powerful way to live out his vocation he immediately began to live into his ultimate calling going all the way to Galilee testifying to the power of God available in all of our lives to get us through sharing the good news of God's liberating and life-changing love, even and especially in the wilderness. We have all been there. Last Friday afternoon, Martin Payne, our most enthusiastic evangelist, a man God uses every single day to share the good news of what God is doing at St. Cecilia's and what God can do for every one of us, stopped by our home on Round Top Road. He stopped by to pick up Sandy and me and kindly transport us to Waco, where later that day we would join a thousand other representatives from every Episcopal church in the Diocese of Texas for our diocesan convention. And in his car, he had packed the St. Cecilia's banner behind me, which he would process at that night's service at the Waco Convention Center, and he had brought along, strapped to the top of his Subaru Outback, his special Sotol stick from Big Bend. We would, in fact, be the only church in the entire diocese whose banner would be hoisted 
above a spirit-producing plant from the Chihuahuan Desert. I don't know about you, but that makes me mighty proud. But this story actually began the night before. It began on Thursday night in that other wilderness we call East Texas. It actually happened in the East Texas town of Lufkin when the parish administrator at St. Cyprian's Episcopal Church in Lufkin had a dream. And this dream was a prophetic dream. The dream was about Leslie Stewart. Some of you know Leslie. She was a former fighter pilot turned priest. She's now head of church plants in the Diocese of Texas. She's actually my boss. She's been here to lead a women's retreat and has preached for us before. This lady in East Texas knew her because she's best friends with the priest there. And in her dream on Thursday night, she dreamed that she was trying to get to the diocesan convention in Waco, but she was weighed down with with all this stuff, and she she couldn't carry it, and and there were cars moving very quickly on the street, and so she she couldn't get across, and and suddenly, Leslie Stewart appeared, and walked out into the traffic, and stopped the traffic, and and picked up all of her bags, and and carried them to the other side of the street. The lady from Lufkin told her priest, David, a good friend of Leslie's, that she wasn't sure exactly what the dream meant, but in that dream, Leslie was a kind of deliverer, a deliverer in the biblical sense, in that she felt like Leslie perhaps was about to deliver something or someone during the convention. Less than 24 hours later, as Sandy was sitting up front in the passenger seat because she had tweaked her back earlier that day getting dog food out of our truck for our dogs who were boarding at Creative Paws while we were in Waco. It's a long story, but let's just say it's all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) So Martin was driving and Sandy was in the passenger seat, and I was in the back seat trying to navigate, and we turned left. We were only about a minute from the hotel, the Hilton, and this speeding car comes out of nowhere and crashes right into us, T-boning the outback. The car hit us right where Sandy was sitting. Sandy, who was in shock and in obvious pain, I noticed had her head caught between the airbag and the door window, and I jumped out and ran around, and as I looked at the door, I saw that the door was completely crashed in. I wasn't sure that it would open, but it did. Thanks be to God. (laughs) It opened, and I was able to get to her and move the airbag, and in that moment when you were looking at the one you love above all in this world, and you're not sure if they're okay, if they're alive, you very quickly realize 
what truly matters in this life. You realize what your ultimate priorities are. And in that moment of realization, the first angel appeared. There was a young woman who came running up to the car and she asked me if I would trade places with her. It turned out she was an off-duty EMT who just happened to be taking a walk with her husband and daughter and was right across the street when the wreck happened. I knew that we needed help. We needed help from God, from our faith community, from the EMTs, from the hospital staff. And I, even as I was shouting for people to call 911, I made two calls myself. I called 911 to send help. And then the other was the only person I could think of who, who was going to be at the convention. And it was Leslie, Leslie Stewart. Thank God she answered the phone, and I don't even remember what I said to her, but I thought I had hung up on her to attend to Sandy, but actually we never got disconnected, and I found out later that, that she stayed on the line as the ambulance arrived and prepared to transport her to the trauma hospital, and I found out later as all of that was unfolding in real time, Leslie was praying for Sandy and reporting to our bishops and fellow Christians at the convention. Martin, meanwhile, had completely ignored his own possible broken risk and had begun unloading all of our bags, including the St. Cecilia's banner. And just as one ambulance took off with Sandy, another arrived to transport Martin. And by the way, Martin is a Boy Scout. He's always prepared. So there was a lot of stuff to unload from his car. <laughs> and just as Martin took off, Leslie's blue pickup truck arrived and made its way through the chaos and the crash scene right next to where the two cars had been totaled. The other angel was there. And she helped load all of our bags and all of Martin's gear into our truck. And she drove me to the hospital. And I will never forget the moment Sandy was having her CAT scan. And we began to get word that as the CAT scan was happening, the worship service at council with a thousand people paused. And everyone prayed for all three of us by name. Our phones were blowing up. We were hearing from you that you were praying for us. And I have to tell you in that moment, there is nothing more powerful than knowing. Even when you find yourself adrift in an unknown wilderness, feeling the force of a thousand children of God praying for you, sending love knowing how much people care for you. We felt the love. We felt the prayer. We felt the power and the presence of God. When the doctor finally came in to share that that CAT scan miraculously showed no broken bones, we prayed a heartfelt prayer of thanksgiving that not only was she alive, but she was not seriously injured. 
Meanwhile, while we were at the trauma hospital, the angel's work was not done because it never is. Leslie had actually stopped at the best steakhouse in Waco and bought four steak dinners. One for each of us with filet, with a baked potato, with salad, with Yorkshire pudding. And because Leslie truly loves and knows Sandy so well, she also purchased a bottle of fine red wine. When she drove us back to the hotel, she had already checked us into our rooms and delivered all of our bags. The next morning, another member of St. Cecilia's, Michael Soper, who had actually texted that he was willing with several of you to drive to Waco and pray for us in person, said that he wanted to have a car delivered to us from his funeral home in Temple, my first thought was, isn't that premature? (laughs) Thinking it would be a hearse, we were pleasantly surprised (laughs) that we were able to drive back to Round Top in a big, beautiful, white Cadillac. (laughs) Take that, Satan! (laughs) We stopped off at Toe King of Waco just to make sure we had gathered everything from Martin's car. That Sotol stick was still attached to the top, so we snagged it. And next year, when Diocesan Council convenes in Fort Worth, I think we should all process with that Sotol stick and banner giving thanks for God's goodness and mercy and for all of God's angels and helpers who appear when we most need them. At Toking, Martin suggested we say a prayer of thanksgiving over the car for helping to protect us, which was so true. And so we did. As we prayed over that Subaru, I, I placed my hands over that part of the car that had sustained the impact and been crushed and by the grace of God had protected Sandy from serious injury and the old man who drove with us out to the car to make sure we didn't steal anything from the yard said to Martin, you know, I've been doing this work for a long, long, long time. Never. Have I seen anybody in such a serious wreck be so thankful? You see, the wilderness had been a part of the transformation. Has had our loving God, our hardworking Holy Spirit. Has had all of the angels and faith friends who surround us. This story, which could have been A tragedy and news of the worst sort is now part of the good news, part of how God's grace sustains, upholds, and transforms us. It's a story that really must be shared from Round Top to Waco, from Judea to Galilee. We were delivered. And it's not the first time that God has used his faithful, beautiful people to provide deliverance. In this season of Lent, 
It's a good time to contemplate and ponder and become more aware. And also a good time to celebrate that all the paths of the Lord will lead us to love and to faithfulness, even those that take us through the wilderness. Amen. Just need you like never had before. Help me.